Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Road to Restoration podcast. We're having a special episode today. We're recording at Revolution Ministries, and we have a special guest, Pastor Raul Salgado. And our host, Pastor Sergio de la Mora. Today, we're going to be talking about Pastor Sergio's book, Paradox, The God Who Breaks the Rules. And I want to touch on the topic of the now and the next. The next gen, uh, our next plans as uh, young people or leaders, uh, uh, business owners. So what would be an advice that you have for like a future, uh, a future leader that are sitting here? Well, in the book, in chapter 11, when I talk about the now and the next, if there's something I would like to teach, and well, in the book I talk about it, is any leader that is going to be successful and thrive has to learn to honor the past while remaining ferociously loyal to the future. So honor. Honor the past. Honor the fact that you were raised in the church that you were raised in. You know, honor the fact that your leaders helped you and raised you, spent time with you. Um, honor the leaders that assisted you, the pastors, your parents. But don't honor the past at the expense of not being ferociously loyal to the future. Mm -hmm. Because we need you to take us into the future. So that's one of the advice that I talk about in the book. And it's not easy uh, as a pastor to honor the past and be loyal to the future because the older we get, the more nostalgic we are. But the saying is true that our best days are not behind us. They are ahead of us. So yeah, that's that's one of the things that I talk about in chapter 11. So enjoying what you're doing now. Enjoy what you did in the past, but don't stay stuck there. Yeah, Look don't forward. Yeah. So why don't we, so why don't we start with uh, making some questions for uh our guests over here. So why don't you start us off? All right. So uh, my first question was, what made you or why did you turn to God and make you want to do what you do right now? What made me want to turn to God? Yes. I'm not proud of my story, but it is my story. Um, I was a disc jockey in my city, and I would hold dances. I'd rent out like a, a, like a big event center and, DJ, and I was on a radio station. But at the same time, I was really lost. You know, because your public life could be on point, and you could be losing in your private life. Publicly, I was winning. I was 17. I was about to sign a seven-year record contract. Um, I was on a radio station. I was making money, dances. I was a senior in high school. So, you know, I was popular. So publicly, I was winning. But privately, I was desperately losing. Because when you're in that industry, you're, you're afforded a lot of options. And one of them is drugs. And so I had a cocaine addiction that a lot of people didn't know. And so that addiction led me to such a broken place in my life. And I remember this one time. Um, we did this big dance and everyone was was successful and so we had an after hour party which was normal but that party didn't end for three days so i didn't go home for three days and i have latino parents 
and they expect you home. Come on, somebody. They're like, you need to be home. So for three days, I wasn't home. And then, then I finally went home. And I remember that week, I had a dream. And it was the only time in my life I ever heard the audible voice of God. God showed me a dream, and I write about it in the book Paradox, how God showed me two roads, like two dirt roads, and two wood signs, like Western signs. And one said, if, and I heard God say to me, if you sign that contract, you'll have worldly success. But he showed me another road, and a sign said, purpose of your life. But he said, but you'll miss the purpose of your life. And I woke up in a cold sweat. I didn't tell anyone about it. I was, in, I was scared. I was embarrassed. Um, I didn't want to talk to anyone about God. But that following week, I was passing out flyers for a dance that I was doing in the city. And I saw this flyer on the ground. You know when we go tell people, pass out flyers? Ah, nobody cares about that. Well, let me tell you something. I got saved because of that flyer. I picked up this flyer on the ground that said, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? I connected the flyer to my dream. And it said, um, uh, church services Wednesday night at the Goleta Valley Community Center. I did dances there. So I thought, oh, church at a place that I know. Great. So you know what? Um, I wrote it on my calendar. And I said, I'm going to go to this church service. So unfortunately, anywhere I went, it was just my addiction was that I would get high. So before I went to church, I snorted a half a gram of cocaine. I said, okay, I'm ready to go. And then on the way to church, I'll never forget, I said, God, if you could change my life, I'll give it to you. Kind of like one of those casual prayers, you just see if it'll stick on the wall. You know, it's just like, all right, God, if you could change my life, almost like a challenge, like, because I was so broken. And I was just, just so confused. How can my life be on one side so good, but on the inside so bad? I said, God, I'll give you my life, and I'll never forget. It was a small Pentecostal church, and the preacher was preaching, and he was like preaching like veins were coming out of the side of his neck. And, and then he said, some of you, you're here today, and you're bound by drugs, you're bound by addiction. And, and no joke, I honestly thought like he was talking just to me, and that someone told him I was going to go to church. Have you ever gone to church and felt like, like, who told the pastor? And at the end he said, if you want to get saved, raise your hand. So I raised my hand, and as I was raising my hand, I was crying, because I felt like God was calling me, like, wow, this is really happening to me. <laughs> so I went up, gave my life to Jesus, and then that night I had to go on a radio show, and we were introducing Prince's new album, When Doves Cry. Uh, all of you millennials don't know about Prince. Okay, I just dated myself. And so watch this. We were promoting it big on the radio. And I turned on the mic and I said, here's Pastor Prince singing about the 666 in his new album, When Doves Cry. And it just came out of me. And because on his last song on his album, when Doves Cry, there's a song called Darling Nikki. If you play the end of it backwards, which I did, because when I, I had to check out the record, you know, listen to all the songs. When you play it backwards, it says, hello, how are you doing? I'm fine because I know the Lord is coming, coming soon. I connected that experience 
to the sermon that I heard about the second coming of Jesus to Prince kind of being a pastor of this message of the songs that he was, the message of his album, and it came out of me, and I knew that day I could not do this anymore. So from that day, I got off the radio, and I started going to the streets and talking about Jesus with youth with my turntables and my sound system. So that's how Jesus got a hold of this guy. Wow. Do you want to share your story, Pastor? Yeah, so the Bible says that nobody comes if the Spirit doesn't draw them, doesn't pull them in. And in my case, I wasn't looking for God. God found me. I grew up in the church. And it's you guys have to understand how blessed you guys are to be in Christian families. Yes. The Bible says that God is a God of generations. He was the God of my grandmother. He was the God of my parents. And he wants to be my God. And so... I wasn't looking for God. I was lost in alcohol. And when my grandmother passed away, uh, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and they, they were just taking her body. And there was a desperate desire in my heart that I needed to seek God. And so the next day when I woke up, uh, there was a Christian radio station. Turned on the radio station, and uh, they were going to have a campaign in a high school. And so I responded. I went to that campaign. Uh, uh, and I accepted Christ, but He found me. I wasn't. I wasn't looking for Him. Wow, that's awesome. wow, that's awesome. So, God will find you right where you're at, right? God always finds you right where you're at, and 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 this is the great thing about God. Is that God is not intimidated by your sin. He's not intimidated by your weakness. He's not intimidated by your issue. In fact, the Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. I had to learn that. Like, God wasn't mad at me. He was madly in love with me. God wasn't rejecting me. He was trying to find me. And when I discovered that God loved me, even though on the inside I'd made a, just my life was in shambles, I'll never forget this. One time, my friend asked me to be a guest DJ, and I was a Christian. And I said, I'll do it, but you have to let me play a Christian record. So he said, sure. So he advertised that I was going to be there, and it was a large crowd. And no one knew I was a Christian. I remember when I got up, and I stopped the record like we were scratching. And everybody looked up, and I turned on the mic, and I said, that used to be me. But now I'm a Christian, and now I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to play music like this. And I played this song, What Are You Going to Do When the Party's Over, by the Latinos. And everybody started clapping. Yeah, Serge is a Christian. And then all my friends started having going away parties for me. <laughs> Serge is a Christian, guys. Let's party. Serge, man, it's going to be amazing. We're going to miss you, bro. But those were my friends, right? I didn't know. It was like, Oh, yeah, this is what we do. Man, we're, man, Serge, we're so happy, man. You're going to serve God. You know, we're so happy. Come on, we're going to party one more time with Serge. That was like three parties. <laughs> but then after that, like, I just realized, okay, I'm done. Because I knew I couldn't go back. I burned the bridge. So I want to encourage you, like, whatever bridge you have to burn, burn it. Because it'll help you. That helped me. Be radical. Absolutely radical. Do we have another question?
question over here? Uh, this just goes to both of you. Um, what What would you say to somebody who uh, maybe they just given their life to Christ um, and maybe they didn't receive a positive response from people around them? Um, maybe their family members, you know, the people that are closest to them, you know, they, you know, their family's not in church, their friends aren't in church, and then all of a sudden they had an encounter with Jesus and now they're ready to go and pursue Jesus and the people around them necessarily don't agree with it and aren't supporting that. What, what advice would you give to somebody like that? Yes, sir. That, is a, that is a very, very, very good question. People are going to reject us. You know, people, the Bible said they rejected Jesus and Jesus said that we were going to be rejected for his cause. So, uh, and actually the Bible encourages us. He blesses those who are rejected. And so we just, we just have to, uh, uh, continue to go forward, uh, press into God, uh, and, and, and God is going to get us through it. Yeah, you know, when I got saved, I got saved in a strong Christian, excuse me, a strong Catholic family. Like, we were Catolicos de Hueso Colorado. What does that mean? Like, what is that? hardcore Catholics. I was an altar boy, okay? <clears throat> and so, like, when I came home, and I told my family, I'm a Christian. My parents really leaned into me. How dare you? That is blasphemy. Even you're going to go to hell. How could you possibly do that? I'll never forget how guilt-tripped I felt. Like, I've, I've, I've denied my parents. I've, I broke my parents' heart. Like, my family, like, they're all looking at me like, you did too many drugs. That's what happened to you, Sergio. We told you to stop doing drugs. And they thought, like, I lost it. Oh, pobrecito, Sergio. Like, you know, like, you need to go to a doctor, a psychologist. And I'm like, no, you guys. I got Jesus in my life. And they're hurt. So for about a year, my, my parents really, it took, I had to go to a Catholic church. So this was the negotiation. I had to go to Mass at the 8 o'clock Mass, and then I could go to the 10 o'clock church service. So I did that for about a year. I did went to both churches to prove to them that I was legit. But I broke their heart. So what I had to learn to do, and this might help someone, consistency is the best policy. So you know what I did? I started being obedient to my parents. So whatever they asked me to do, I did it. I showed them my good fruits, like a tree is known by its fruits. So I started changing my attitude towards my family. I started staying home more. So I wasn't going out so much. And my, my parents started noticing that my conversations were different, that I actually started talking to my mom and dad, like just, hey, let's talk. And, and they were, they thought I was weird, like, like, ¿por qué no estás hablando? ¿Qué te pasa? But I would tell them, hey, let's talk. And I wasn't like that before. So I, I want to encourage whoever's given their life to Jesus and they're being rejected by their family. Number one, Jesus' brothers rejected him. And so let the rejection be an opportunity for them to see your sincerity. Don't give up. Yeah, don't, focus. and don't preach to them. Mm -hmm. No bueno. Mm -hmm. 
Don't preach to them. I tried that a couple of times. Did not go well. To the parents? Or to yeah. The, oh. To my brothers, my sisters, my parents. I started telling them things like, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. I started saying, <laughs> you know what? Don't pray to statues. It's wrong. Don't do that. Just love them where they're at. Um, so obviously we're talking about like the next generation and we're talking about the process. Um, I've been discipled and I'm, I'm still am being discipled. Um, obviously both of you guys, this is a question for both of you guys. Um, you guys both have disciples and, and people you're building up. Um, I just launched my own life group. So I want to be able to make those disciples too. Um, how would you guys speak to your guys' disciples or how have you guys spoken to your disciples when they've stumbled? Because, you know, Stumbling when you're not being disciple and not in the process, not following God is different. But when you're when you're being open to the process, when you're in that discipleship, then that's when I feel like when you start stumbling forward. Yeah. Um, how have you guys spoken to your disciples, or how do you approach them when when maybe they be they have been struggling or stumbling? That's good. I'll let you start, Pastor. Yeah, man, that is a that is a very very good question. We do what Jesus did, you know, when when uh, when Peter denied Jesus three times. He didn't throw them in his face. He just came and he loved them. He met him, like you said, he met him where he was at, and uh, he walked him through the process. He just walked him through the process. He believed in him, and actually, as a matter of fact, instead of telling, telling, disqualifying him, he promoted him. He got promoted because Peter repented. So repentance, I, I believe repentance dictates on how you're going to handle the situation. And in Peter's case, Peter repented and came back, and, and he got promoted instead of demoted. Yeah, that's good. Because the truth is, um, disciples, raising a disciple is taking someone and helping them get formed into the character of Christ. So all their character issues come out. And so I have a, a, a phrase, you don't have to be perfect. So I tell my disciples, but you have to be willing to be perfected. Like, you don't have to be perfect, but are you willing to go through the process of sanctification? Like Pastor Roll said, because you tell your disciples that you love them, but they need to know that you love them if you can love them at their worst. And I believe the cost of discipleship is to love unconditionally. Love is king in discipleship. And when we love people back to life, actually what it does is it causes them to commit even deeper. When they know, when a person can show you the worst of themselves and you still love them, that heals them. Because oftentimes, when people can't show and be honest about their humanity, they'll go into secrecy. But if we can help people be honest about their humanity and not go into secrecy, then we can lead them into freedom. But here is the key. You also want to remind them that there are consequences to sin. And sometimes if they're leading, it's like a football player. They're great, but they had a fall. And maybe their ankle... Um, is sprained. So there may be a moment where you have to say, you're still part of the team. We love you. But we're like, we're going to let you heal on the bench. You're going to watch someone take your place. Don't get discouraged. 
because the kingdom still keeps moving. But we're going to focus on healing and helping you. If we can lead our leaders and our disciples that way, then we will reproduce the love of Jesus in them. So when they're leading their leaders in their life groups, they know how to lead. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good. That was perfect. So we have one more question over here. Um, so this is kind of to both of you guys also. Um, so let's say like, as a leader, like you have a disciple and like they've, they've stumbled or they've kind of done something or they've maybe even just like fallen away from their walk with Christ. And like they're in an area of service, like whether it's like ushering, greeting, anything like that. Um, like if they, if they feel like God's still calling them to serve, but like, you feel God's telling you to like have them step back like how do you approach that because like they feel like they're getting a word from god and you're getting a word from god like what what kind of steps would you do to to like walk through that process that's good pastor yeah i i think we just have to um we just have to as, as a parent we know what's good and what's not good for our children and so we, 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 we try to help and, and make them understand that that's the healing process is, gonna, is going to uh, accelerate the, the, the healing process. Some people are, just don't have the humbleness. If, if, if I could be honest, some people, no matter what you do, they're just not going to want to sit down. And so when somebody saw, saw never wanted to... to, to uh, be processed and because he was not willing to allow himself to be processed he lost the kingdom and sadly to sadly to say some people will lose god-given opportunities because they're not allowed to be corrected or healed wow that's great you know one of the things that i would say if if a, someone that's serving in the ministry they stumble and then they tell you as the leader Hey, God told me I'm ready to come back. And you hear God telling you, I think you need to take a break. That's a great opportunity for discipleship. It really is because oftentimes it reveals their character. So I would encourage you as a leader to say to them, if you're not willing to obey today, how can I lead you in greater levels of ministry? So I would use it as an opportunity to show them that this is their moment of testing. Can you pass this test? Because Hebrews chapter 12 says, who the father loves, he disciplines. And so what they're really avoiding could be is the embarrassment of having to be step, have to step down. So I would encourage them to say, at this point, what is best for the body, what's best for the church, is that you take a break. Because what you're part of is not as big as what you're, no, the part that you play is not as big as what you're part of. You're part of a family, a spiritual community. 
And right now, as a body, we need you to take a break. And if they say, well, God told me I'm not supposed to, then the next thing is saying, well, as your leader, I have to take responsibility for the decision. So this is what I've told people. Because I've had people tell me that. They've used the God card on me. And I've told them this. I said, okay, why don't we do this? If you obey me and I am wrong, God will teach me a lesson, but he'll bless you for being obedient. That deserves a clap. Yeah. That's the, the Uno reverse card. So coming, coming back to, I mean, yeah, going back to the now and the next chapter, what would be your greatest piece of advice that you would give to someone who's uh, trying to build like a character or their process uh, so, that, so they can build like the future that they want or their calling yeah. like to, to like, what would be? You know what I tell, I will tell you what I tell my kids. Tell me who you're hanging around and I'll tell you how far you can go in life. Exposure determines something really big. If God's going to promote you, it's because of the people that you're exposed to. So I'm always watching who people are hanging around. So if God, your exposure, who you're exposed to, will determine if God can elevate you and where he can elevate you to. So I would say this to all young leaders. There are three people you desperately need in your life. And this will help you. There's, there's the people that are behind you that are looking up to you. There are the people that are beside you that are walking alongside you. But then there needs to be people that are ahead of you that are mentoring you. If the only people that are in your life are the people that are behind you, that are looking up to you, you'll get a Messiah complex. If the people that you only hang around are your comrades, the people that are around you, you'll always stay in friends mode. And if the people that you only hang around are people that are helping you, that are ahead of you, you'll get into prince or princess mode. Like, I'm special. I only hang around these people. You're not at my level. So I would encourage you to have these three people in your life. People that are following you. Because that's going to keep you accountable to your lifestyle. Jesus said in John 17, I sanctify myself for their sakes. In other words, I obey you, Father, so that they can see what obedience looks like. The other thing I would do is make sure that you're always around people that are in the same ministry that you're in. That's why here we have two churches represented. We have Pastor George Molina's ministry, Lifeway, and the young adults from Lifeway. But we also have Pastor Rolls, young adult leaders here. Because why? Because you need to be around your contemporaries. Because Proverbs 17 says, iron sharpens iron. When you get around people that are in the same ministry that you're in, you're always going to get sharpened. But then also you need people that are ahead of you. 
people that can pull you up in life. Because the, Paul said in the book of Corinthians, you have many teachers, but one father. So I would say this, the people ahead of you, the first person should be your pastor. Because you're going to have a lot of people on Instagram, YouTube, that you'll learn from. But your pastor in the church has to be your primary voice. Then your parents. So if your parents are believers, along with your pastor, their voice is primary. If your parents are not believers, then it's your pastor and the leader that is leading you. So I would like to see, as a healthy leader, someone have those three ratios in point. The hardest one is going to be the people close to you. Because you got to get through competition, jealousy, one-upping. But just remember, you guys, we all work for the same boss. His name is Jesus. Let's give it up. Well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sergio. Thank you, Pastor Raul, uh, for pouring uh, into us and sharing your, your experiences in life and your testimonies. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, and I think we've, we've all learned how to make uh, good disciples, how to be good disciples, and then how to prepare for the future that God has for us. And we want to thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening to us and, and, or watching us on YouTube. If you like this episode, share with somebody. Share with five friends right now. I encourage you to share with five friends. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.